What is up and welcome to the Black Dog Sports Podcast. Today we have some okay topics in the vein of AT&T. The first being the USM recap and who is the MVP offensively and defensively of the game. The second is going to be has Kylan Hill turned into a legit Heisman contender. Then we're going to go into uh, if our fans should possibly um, apologize to the wide receivers. Short answer, no. Then we're going to go into our preview of the Kansas State game. And maybe we'll talk about Dak a little bit. We're going to have to see. Uh, I'm going to start this episode the way that I start all the episodes. By uh, talking to the guys, seeing where their heads are at. I'm going to start off with uh, the senior member of the podcast. He hadn't joined us for a while, but he's here today. Mr. Gabriel Ware, what's going on? Hey, I'm always around, never far away. What's going on, sports fans? Glad to be back with you all. Um, I'm just easing into this football season. We're 2-0, you know. Still got some questions to be answered. We look better on offense than we did last year. That's without a doubt, so... Let's just get it going here. Second senior member, um, also from the Maroon Maniacs, Mr. Derek Thomas. What you got going for us today? What's going on, Bulldog fans? Just ready to talk Bulldog football and get ready for Kansas State. Coming to try to get a revenge win, but it ain't going to happen. Hopefully it ain't going to happen. Uh, next person, um, star pickup player from uh, Caledonia High School. Outside of uh, Columbus, Mississippi, Mr. Jeremiah Short. I don't know about no star pickup play. Uh, what's up, everybody, man? Just uh, excited to talk about Bulldog Sports and what we're going to do this season. Oh, speaking of which, uh, Jeremiah, do you have anything to say about the people who accused you of toxic masculinity last week? Well, what people accused me of toxic masculinity? I remember saying something about it was uh, you. Uh, somebody, uh, somebody commented on the Facebook, you know, talking about that we got to be careful about the toxic masculinity in the show. Where I want to see this. I mean, go on the pages there, hey, hey, Derek. You synced it right. There was a comment about toxic masculinity, so yes, it's there. Yeah, I like think it'll be all right. Yeah, Jeremiah, you gotta, you gotta. First be time listening, great show, in depth and that. Great to hear some feedback on young guys. Got to check that top to back many though. Huh? Keep it up. <laughs> okay, that's funny. Uh, exactly. Funny. Uh, the views espoused by Mr. Jeremiah Short are not necessarily those of the Black Dog Sports <laughs> Podcast. Uh, please don't counsel us. All right, so um, Mr. Ricardo Suggs isn't here just yet, but um, I guess that I speak um on his behalf. Uh, <clears throat> I'm just glad to be here today. Uh, former uh, star pickup player, junior high basketball player. Uh, anytime that I get to talk about the dogs is good. Uh, hashtag Black Dog Sports Podcast. One fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish. Knickknack, paddywhack, give a dog a bone. 2000 party over. Oops, out of time. My bacon smelling fine. <laughs> All right, so let's go ahead and kick this thing off. Yeah, we got to give Nick off recap. Fitzgerald. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Forget Nick Fitzgerald. Okay, Thomas Stevens trash. All right, so um, we got to start off with our USM recap slash who are our MVPs for that game. Um, 
let's see who I'm gonna get this one to. We ain't had Gabe on in a while, so I'm gonna go ahead and start this topic off with him. So, what did you think about the USM game, and who was your MVPs offensively and defensively? Um, first of all, defensively, I don't think there was a flat out MVP. I mean, I think that um, they got DBs are, 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 are playing phenomenal throughout both the first two games. Getting some turnovers, a couple of interceptions, I think, uh, some special team plays. Uh, so um, I thought the linebackers were going to be dominating, and they're doing well. But I think the DBs overall are, 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 are MVP so far. Offensively, you know, Callum Hill is obviously our best player on the whole football team. I don't think there's any argument about that whatsoever. Uh, the young man is on his way to a fantastic season, but – our receivers, in my opinion, and we hadn't officially got to this topic yet, but yeah, we owe these receivers an apology, man. I've said it all along. No receiver on the planet can play well if your quarterback is throwing the ball 10 feet over your head. It's just not going <laughs> to work. You know, we got a better passer in the offense now, completing a lot more passes. These guys are showing what they can do right now. So, um, offensively, Callum Hill. Defensively, I give it to the defensive backs as a whole right now. Um, you know, that's 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 why I think it looks like so far, in my opinion. I am going to respectfully disagree with your um stance on the wide receivers, but that's beside the point. So I'm gonna shoot this over to Jeremiah. USM recap your thoughts and also your offensive, defensive MVP. So before I kind of get to the offensive and defensive MVPs, I would just say with the USM game, it was a good building block game. We still haven't seen our full offense or defense because I think we kind of held back a little bit. We held a lot of guys out. So we still really haven't seen because the first two games kind of been blowouts and we haven't had a chance really to see a team play the whole game and really just see what our true rotation and all those things will look like. So Moorhead probably has been kind of holding back a little bit. But I do think, like, they kind of aired it out a little bit against Southern Miss. It kind of showed with Tommy Stevens um, being able to throw a couple skinny poles and his ability to push the ball down the field. He showed that ability, and he's accurate. Offense just looks smooth and in rhythm. Um, the defense improved against uh, Southern Miss. Uh, it's still not, of course, where we wanted to be. And I think, I think the thing that messes up the defense is that we're judging them against last year's defense. Last year's defense probably the best defense that the state has ever had or arguably one of the best defenses the best defense that they've ever had, we've ever had. So it's hard to judge them. It's almost unfair because we're basically expecting a bunch of redshirt freshmen and freshmen to, you know, in, on the interior to, you know, live up to what guys who are first-round draft picks were able to do. So I do feel like it's kind of hard to judge them at that point. So after that game, we can't really say how good or great we are right now. We'll probably find out this weekend. To our offensive and defensive MVPs, I think it goes without saying that Colin is the offensive MVP. Uh, and we're going to get to the highs and um, talk. But the plays that he was making, even though he probably been a little extra in his injury response, uh, I feel like Colin, the plays he was making, and you look at the highlight, I'm like, wow, pretty much every run was a highlight. I mean, he's jumping over people. He's um, shedding tackles, he's extending runs, 20, 30 yards. I mean, he's making some spectacular plays. He's probably been the most impressive-looking Mississippi State running back. I'm not going to – I probably say ever, like, just as far as his first two games, he's probably also the strongest start of any MSU running back. Vic Ballard was very good. You know, I'm a big DeSenzo Miller fan, and a lot of people like Booby, but I, I don't think I've ever seen an MSU running back in a two-game stretch just look this impressive. As far as looking like 
The one thing I will say, I don't know if MSU's ever had a national star at running back. Like, and that's uh, say a pretty strong statement. But I don't think we, we've had guys that were good SC running backs and good running backs and from a Mississippi State standpoint. But I don't think we've ever had a national star. Now, I will say, even with Colin's personality, it kind of lends to that. He's a guy who has that ability and that flash to be a national star. So just from that first two games, the offensive, he definitely is the offensive MVP from the last game. But just looking forward, I think he has that ability. And I'll save a little bit of that for the eyes and talk. Now, defensively, I got it. I've really been keeping my eye on, and maybe I'm pumping him because I picked him as one of our breakout players. But Brian Cole, I was very impressed by him. He's a guy just watching that game, flying around the ball. He got a sack. Um, and I just see him around the ball a lot. And, I'm, and I think he's a guy that's going to play a very big part, especially getting to the quarterback and adding that pressure. So I think he was the guy who was one of our defensive MVPs. Now, I saw some other D linemen make some plays, and then our corners, of course, have been excellent. But I think Brian Cole is a guy that's going to be an X factor, and he definitely was the defensive MVP with some of the plays that he was making. Okay. Uh, like everything that I heard. So, um, <clears throat> Derek, same thing to you. Kind of your thoughts on the USM game, offensive, defensive MVPs. Well, it's very easy to pick either Thomas Stevens or Kylan Hill to be the offensive MVP. I'm going to go a little, I guess you can say, off-road with this. We had two very big scares in this game. Thomas Stevens went off with an injury. Kylan Hill went off with an injury. Nick Gibson went off with an injury for a third scare. Who came? Who comes in to settle the offense down? True freshman Gary Schrader. No, he did not have a touchdown. Could have had one, but the sun got in the Siles Mitchell's eyes. I'm going to name Gary Schrader as my offensive MVP because he's a true freshman making his having his first experience playing in Davis Wade, and he had an awesome debut. Seven for 11, 71 yards. Uh, he was sacked once. Uh, he ran for 16 yards. So, no, he wasn't the overall star of the game, but to have a true freshman quarterback who will very well be our starter next year come in and be poised and composed, completing passes, throwing a tight spiral, throwing a beautiful deep ball, and the only reason why it wasn't a touchdown is because the sun was too bright wide receiver didn't have a visor on to shade the sun from his eyes. Gary Schrader. Defensively, I'm a copy y'all of Jeremiah. I, I like Brian Cole. He has been our impact defender the first two games. No, not not not, not anybody on the D-line. No, not any of the linebackers. Brian Cole has been our impact player on defense. He makes tackles. He makes tackles for loss. And he gets sacks. All he needs now is to get some interceptions. I believe he is going to be our defensive leader going forward for the rest of the way. All right. So um, while I'm at it, you know, I think that y'all talking about Brian Cole is an appropriate moment to bring up uh, the grand opening slash grand closing of Jonathan Abrams 2018 football season. Uh, Derek, what you thought about that? Well, (laughs) another funny uh, bit of information from the incident is he almost hurt his own player, Gary and Cunley, uh, left the game also after being hit by Abram. But he's going to continue playing. His injury is not mine, it's not major. But to lose Jonathan Abram, who Gruden said was very aggressive, a little bit reckless, made some plays, missed some plays, 
he was really looking forward to seeing Abram grow this year. And I watched some of the game, and even though I hate the Raiders, I mean, Abram, Abram has it, man. I mean, he is an enforcer over the middle. And if you're a wide receiver coming across the field, you're gonna be you're gonna be on the lookout for Abram. Now with him being out, you don't have to worry about that. I hope he comes back um, next year. Uh, I hope he has a bad game against my Chiefs when he does. But every, every other game, I hope he just shows out because hey, I want my Bulldogs to do well. So uh, get well soon, Abrams, and you know just heal up and support your team. Okay, um, Jeremiah, you have any thoughts like real quick about uh, the whole Jonathan Abrams situation? Uh, I mean, I think he just, just from a deep analytical standpoint, I would say that he is kind of his aggressive playing style. I mean, when you talk about a guy like that and he tears his shoulder up, I mean, that kind of goes to a guy who plays aggressive. Um, I was just hoping him, just watching him play in that aggressive style that it doesn't, I'm just hoping it don't turn into something more serious as far as not like this particular injury, but just in a general sense, the guys that are aggressive style of play kind of lends you mess around and get one of those neck injuries or something like that because you kind of just, play so reckless so I would hope if anything it kind of wakes him up that he's a cerebral player in a way but I think maybe it wakes him up to playing like a little smarter it's okay to be aggressive and be reckless a little bit but maybe he learns how to be a little smarter in the way he plays the game and I think that may be a wake-up call for him you know, like this injury because I mean it, it just speaks to that <laughs> all right Gabe same thing he's doing too much he was doing too much in hard knocks arguing with the coach, wouldn't settle down, doing too much in practice. Now, in these games, he's trying. it's like he's trying to make a name for himself by being this big thunderous striker, but he hurt himself, and he, hurt, he even hurt his fellow player over-aggressively pursuing a play and got a penalty on the play because he hit the man out of bounds. The kid needs to settle down. Settle down, learn how to play within yourself, you're a rookie. You're going to make some rookie mistakes. But he needs to settle down because it seems like he's really just, well, when he comes back from injury, he's doing too much. He's trying to make a name for himself like like everybody's expecting him to be this, this you know, big old big-time hitter, which is fine. But he's doing too much right now. Settle down. Play within yourself, young man. Get well soon. Hope he comes back healthy. And maybe he'll learn. You know, NFL players tell you, man, don't do too much too soon. You got to learn the game. That's how I see it. I mean, but <clears throat> is it really possible for Jonathan Abram to, quote, not do too much? This is the same guy that his indoctrination into Mississippi State football was knocking a guy out of the spring game and having a whole thing get stopped early. It's like... I don't even know if that's possible for Jonathan Abram, which is why I thought that him and the Raiders was so great. And he was trending on Twitter, and I saw a guy say that uh, Jonathan Abram plays as if he's never heard of CTE. And it's like, you know, can you really expect Jonathan Abram to not, quote-unquote, do too much? But, eh, that's neither here nor there. But I tell you what, though. Time for some Callan Hill. Ring that bell. Ring that bell. Time to overhype him a little bit. We're going to assume that he's not a Mississippi State player and that he's not going to find a way or we go find a way to jack this up. And we're going to hope for the best for now. So, Jeremiah, go ahead and kick this Kylan Hill hype train off. 
why would you start with me? Because I'm the one who's been hating on Colin Hill for months, or kind of, sort of. I think it's legitimate. Like, I mean, you're looking at it, the fact that he's leading the SEC in rushing yards. And now it's early in the season. We really hadn't played nobody, so that kind of helps out. But, I mean, when the last time we had an MSU running back run for this many yards? A lot of times we've had guys like Big Ballard actually had a lot of touchdowns. He ran for like 20-some touchdowns in 2010. Or was that nine? I'm trying to remember that. 2010, I think. Okay. But, like I said, it's his flashiness. It's, I think what's going to hurt him, though, it, I won't even think it'd be his numbers. I think it will be his personality is going to kind of be a turnoff. But I think when it comes to, like, if we can keep him from, like, talking too much, I think, like, he has a legit chance if we win. Because you're looking at our schedule right now. Assuming we, we avoid this Kansas State, because I don't even look at it as a trap game. I think it's a legit game that, you know, we could lose just off the fact they do look pretty solid so far. They got a new coach, so they got new energy. It's the type of game we go in there playing around, we're going to lose. And especially with all those guys being suspended, assuming that those players are still suspended, it's going to hurt unless they decide to play Willie Gay and all those guys, which I think they should do. Um, the Marcus Murphys, I, I think I don't, it ain't like you're selling out to win one game, uh, one non-conference game, but I think potentially if we win this game, we could seriously win the first maybe six to seven games um, before we play victory. So I think we should consider that. So if we, <clears throat> so, uh, if we do well against Kansas State and Colin Hill has a great game, you know, six, seven games in. I can see him being a high contender with the way he's going right now. He may have a thousand yards by midseason. I don't know if he'll get two thousand, but right now, the only way I can see him maybe not having that many is they decide to kind of like some games maybe give Nick Gibson the ball or throw it a little more. Um, but he definitely has the potential to get fifteen, sixteen hundred yards. And it really would come down to if we win, if we win 10 games, I see no reason why he can't be a Heisman contender. And it's very possible we could do that because right now the only teams you really say they're going to give us trouble are Alabama and LSU and then maybe A&M. But, you know, we played them on the second half of the season. Texas and M historically the last six, seven years in the second half of the season tends to know that. That's just, they just what, they, that's what they do. Until they stop doing that, I can't really trust them. So, I think he had a shot. Like, I don't think it's overhyping, but, I mean, we still have to wait to see how the season plays out because it's going to come down to wins. He's not going to do it at Mississippi State putting up big numbers and we go 8-4. That ain't going to happen. But if we go 10-2 and two or 11-1 and one or something like that, it's going to depend on team success. So we do have that, but that's not going to be the offense fault. It's going to be the defense. So it's hinging on other people. But I think he got a shot. Um, I think, But I think what's going to turn him off, though, he doesn't, he doesn't have a great story. Not that I know of. I mean, Dak obviously had a great story. Like, you know, his mom died, all those things. He even came back from injury that year. Um, his uh, second, his sophomore year, you know, he's a great. He had a great story, great kid, all those things. Not if Ricardo tells it though, but it, he's a great kid. Colin Hill, I, I just don't know about that. So I don't think he's the guy that like the media is just gonna jump behind in that way unless something happened that I don't know about. So I think he got a shot. I don't think it's overhyping. It might be fair hyping, but there's a lot of things that are going to determine it. So, Dave, Colin Hill, Heisman, go. I think that uh, instead of saying Colin Hill, Heisman, watch, we should probably focus on Colin Hill, Dope Walker Award, watch. I think, that, I think that's just in the realm of reality right here. I love the kid now. Don't get me wrong. I think he's Heisman material, no doubt, but when you look at where he is on the list behind people like Tua, Jalen Hurts, 
They even put Joe Burrow from LSU in this, which I think is crap. But he's still, you know, his name is being thrown into the hat right now. We got Trevor Lawrence at Clemson, Justin Fields, Ohio State. I mean, so Kylan is at least six, seven, eight players deep that have a very legit shot at getting some getting some highs and shine. But the Doug Walker Award is just as prestigious, in my opinion. And when it comes to that, it, in my opinion, is Kylan Hill and Jonathan Taylor at Wisconsin. Their 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 stats are pretty similar through two games. I think Kylan Hill is just as good as he is, in my opinion. So, as far as I'm concerned, I'm looking at I'm I'm paying more attention to the Dope Walker Award than I am the Heisman. Now, being a Mississippi State homer that I am, I say Kylan Hill for Heisman. But that's just like saying you know we should be in the playoffs. That that that's neither here nor there. But um. I think we should probably – we can push this Dope Walker Award thing, seriously, because I, I think, man, I think you've got a shot at that. That's, that's, so, so, Colin Hill for Heisman in a fake way, but Colin Hill for, for Dope Walker in a real way. That's, that's, that's what's up. Boo! The Dope Walker Award might as well be the Otis Walker Award because ain't nobody coming to see it. So my last hope. And by the way, ain't nobody tuning in to no Mississippi State show to hear about, uh, you know, measured, rational responses about Tyler Hill winning Dope Walker. And one other thing, the way our trophy case looks, we'll take the Johnny Walker Award right now. We have no hardware in the case, man. Let's get some hardware in that thing. Yeah. Walker, Johnny Walker. J.J. Walker, we need to get hardware in the case, man. The one with that stiff arm in it. Don't nobody want to hear nothing about no dope walker. Ain't nobody coming to see you, Otis. So, like I say, I need Derek Thomas to go ahead and get this thing off. Here's the thing. If he stays healthy, continues to put up the big numbers, um, he can stay in the running. But really, it's sometimes it's hard for a running back uh, to win the Heisman unless he's on an almost a, almost unbeatable team. I mean, these quarterbacks, Jalen Hurst, Tua, uh, I, I think Joe Burrow is going to falter. I think it's going to be the top two at the end of the season going to be Hurst and Tua because of the types of quarterbacks they are. But if Kyler stays healthy, continues to put up the big numbers, uh, and I'm going to criticize Jay. I don't think the man be faking, man. I mean, the man hurt. Let him get hurt, get treatment, get back out there. Uh, I also think he has a pretty good personality. Uh, I mean, so what? He doesn't have a great story yet, but he's a humble young man. When I've had a chance to talk to him, I got a chance to talk to him. When I got a chance to talk with him at the U of L game, he took time to talk to me, let me know that he was okay, that he wasn't injured. And that he was, you know, glad that he was able to get back on the field. Um, so you may not think that he's humble. He may just be confident, man. I mean, there's nothing wrong with him being confident in his abilities. That's what makes him the player that he is, that he has that confidence in his abilities to jump over a, a defender looking like a, a air surfer or a Spider-Man, you know, uh, with that ball in his hand and, and, and hit the ground and keep running. That's what allows him to drag tacklers. That confidence, that cockiness, 
That's what makes him the player that he is. So if you're going to criticize his personality and then hope he's a good player, that's what makes him who he is. And if he can stay healthy and continue doing what he's doing these first two games, which I know it's going to get tougher as the season moves along, um, I hope he can you know, continue having feats like this against Alabama and LSU and Texas and them definitely gets them webbles. Uh, of, of that school that I don't want to say where they at. Uh, I think he has a chance to be in contention for the Heisman as well as the Dope Walker Award. The Dope Walker Award is a good trophy to win, Arthur. It very is a good trophy to win at. I, I would love to see him up for other awards as well because he's deserving. He's definitely deserving. Uh, let me go ahead and say this. Um, while I can, while I'm thinking about it, Derek, the last quote unquote confident uh, football player that I can think of met a personal trainer at Bible study, and it didn't end so well. Okay, yes, so um, <laughs> <laughs> let's hope that Colin Hill doesn't follow that road. <laughs> right, <laughs> and he wrote a text message that looked like it was written by Floyd Mayweather. I'm going to assume that he didn't, um, we're talking about Antonio Brown, if anybody oh hadn't got it. I'm going to assume that he didn't finish college and that he probably, you know, Hugh Freeze must have been his offensive coordinator or something like that because uh, that stuff had to be deciphered with like the Rosetta Stone for people to figure out what he was supposed to be saying. Uh, but this is. The Black Dog Sports Podcast, not the Black Chippewas or whatever Central Michigan is podcast. So we are going on to the next thing, which is should fans apologize to the wide receiving core? For me, the short answer is no. Because, like, I got to give it to him. Like, especially Osiris Mitchell. Oh, he's, he's looking pretty good. I mean, he got lost in the sun a little bit, but he's looking good. Uh, Stephen Gidry's looking good. Uh, the little short guy that looked like Jacquees or something like that. I still feel the same way about him. So, you know, what else? But I'm going to hand it over to somebody who's been capping for the wide receiving core since last season. Matter of fact, I ain't even going to start off with Jeremiah this time. I'm going to start off with Derek. Well, here's the thing. We knew that improved wide receiver play was key and our success. Um, we were wondering what type of quarterback we would have because we really didn't know. We didn't really see much passing from, from Tommy Stevens while he was at Penn State. And here's the thing. He's, he's thrown the ball a lot. He hasn't ran it a lot, which is that's what he did a lot at Penn State. So I have to, you know, apologize because I thought he was more of a runner than a passer. He's shown me. Uh, the wide receivers have been a nice surprise. Um, Gidry and Osiris Mitchell have been doing their thing. Both had touchdowns against Southern Miss on beautiful passes. I haven't really seen a lot of drops. Dedrick Thomas had a drop against USM. So with as much criticism as the wide receivers have taken, I think they're in, they're due an apology because – they were trying to catch missiles last year, shot up close. Now they're getting nice touch passes where their hands don't have to be worried about getting bruised or fingers getting broken. So, yeah, apologize to the wide outs. 
suspect. I was thinking about that. Was, that was Dedrick Thomas that I was saying that looked like a, a, a little mini Quavo slash Jacquees. So you know he probably out there singing "Throw the Ball to Me." Okay, uh, Gabe, same thing for you. Um, do we? You already said it earlier that we owe the um, wide receivers an apology. I don't know why, but go ahead and elaborate on it. Because I've been saying it since last year. I, I saw shades of what Stephen Gidry could become last year. But like I said, when you go out for a pass and you're open and the quarterback throws the ball in the stands, that's not your fault. And so this year, we got a better quarterback. Tommy Stevens can at least hit the <laughs> Tommy Stevens can at least hit the broad side of a barn, which you know, that's that's the way it appears appear so far. And um, the receiving core is looking much, much better. Gidry is looking better. Um, um, Osiris Mitchell looks like he might be the best of the whole bunch. But you know what? I'm going to – I guess it's, I'm going to ex- expand what I want to say a little bit more and say our skill positions overall look very good because Malik Deer – is is you know he's on I think punt and kick return duty and playing receiver, but in that first game he made a play or two, you know. And Gidry, like I said, and and Gidry and Osiris Mitchell look much much better. Um, I think I saw I saw it there all along. I saw it there all along. You just needed a quarterback who wasn't throwing the ball like he had, you know, contact lenses. In, in in both eyes or no eyes or whatever. Um, so I saw it all along. I saw it all along. I think it's just becoming now what it could have been if we had a decent person throwing the football back there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I suspect we still ain't played nobody except for ULL and um, Southern Miss, and Southern Miss look anemic throughout the whole game. They might as well have been, you know, they must be French or something like that. I don't know what's going on. So, Jeremiah, you've been capping for the wide receivers the whole time. So, what you thinking <laughs> about the receiving core, and do we owe them an apology? Yeah, I think we do. I think a lot of people were blaming them. As I kept stating several times, anyone would look for if you, you know, you drop a pass here and there, but you're only getting a couple opportunities a game. And especially a guy that a lot of people got on was Osiris Mitchell, particularly you, Arthur. Uh, Osiris Mitchell, he would drop passes, but, I mean, he only got one or two opportunities. But you're starting to see he's looking like our go-to guy. And I think Gidry can potentially be that guy as well. Um, But I think the thing, I guess, best-case scenario happened for this season, I think I stated before the season, that if Isaiah Zuber stepped up and he was like our primary guy, that probably mean our receiver court wasn't that good. Even though, even though, he was um he's a pretty good receiver. He's not a guy you probably won't be your best guy. Even though even though that doesn't mean he's a bad receiver. But the fact that he's kind of a guy that got I don't know if he necessarily got beat out by Dedrick Thomas. He's just been on the team. So and he's playing probably just as much. So the fact that you got a guy like Isaiah Zuber who called for five hundred yards at Kansas State and was I think their primary guy possibly. Um I'm not for sure. Uh, but if he was one of their top guys and he comes to the team and he's like, you know, one of our fourth or fifth best receiver, that that bowls well. And here's the good thing. I mean, we got guys returning uh, after this season. So, I mean, those guys, it's a really good receiving core. I don't know if Osiris Mitchell is a go-pro early type of guy, but, you know, he's having a really strong season. 
And I think the reason that some of the guys' numbers aren't as big is, one, we ain't played anybody, so they kind of been rotating heavily. But, you know, I think I can see us having a thousand-yard receiver. Uh, so I don't know when the last time we had one. But you can see that potentially happen. The only thing that might stop it is the fact that we spread the ball around. But Moorhead does seem like a guy that he's going to go with the high hand. So if we get in the game and one guy is balling out, I think he'll just let him ball out. He's not going to not feed him. So I think he, he's built that way. So I would like to see which receiver emerges as the guy, although Osiris Mitchell looks like he's that potential. Steven Gidger seems like he's that guy too. And I think we did, like, again, we do owe the receiving core apology. And I think the thing that has helped, too, of course, as Gabriel articulated, a quarterback that, you know, can throw the ball accurately. But it isn't just accurately. Tommy Steven has great ball placement. So a lot of times he throws the ball where only the receivers can catch them. So he's creating more opportunities for the receivers. I think it was a pass to Austin Williams in the first game and then the pass to Osiris Mitchell. A lot of those balls are right where they need to be. He's making the correct reads. I think it's just making life easier for him. So he's creating five to six more opportunities for those receivers, possibly more. Uh, I mean, he completed 20 passes. That's the first time Mississippi State quarterback completed 20 passes since 2016. So I think the receivers are looking a lot better. So, you know, they're helping him by getting open and they're, they're a solid receiving core, but he's creating opportunities for them. So it's a great partnership. And our receiving core, we're really getting to see, uh, for one, the uh, wide receiver coaching of a Michael Johnson. I think he's encouraged some of those guys, and some of those guys are probably stepping above their station. But I really just like how that receiving core is coming together. And the depth is on the bills. You have to think Devontae Jason hasn't even played yet. And I think he's a guy eventually, and Cameron Gardner hasn't even got a lot of run yet. So we still got some some bullets in the chamber, so to speak. So I, I think I'm very excited about this receiving core. Um, so we owe them apologies, but they, they're still getting better. Well, Cameron Gardner has played. He played against UofL, and he had a very nice grab against USM. So he's had a few opportunities. Right. Um, I, I, I know he has played. I'm just saying, like, playing extensively. Y'all got to excuse me because I coughed, like, right when you started talking. I thought I was still on mute. But um, I feel like there was a lot of crack smoke before we started talking about this topic. Um, and I am not going to be a part of the fake news media. Uh, I think that we're speaking a little bit too soon. I feel like Osiris Mitchell is the type of guy who makes all the circus catches, but then he'll be the person who misses like the most rudimentary, he'll drop the most rudimentary ball ever. And um, since I am the host slash editor, uh, and since we're running a little bit early on our time, actually, I think that the better question would have been, do we owe Tommy Stevens an apology? Because the narrative in our group before the season started was that KT was the guy. Tommy Stevens was the second coming of um, of uh, Nick Fitzgerald. Uh, if Ricardo was here, he would have told you the same thing. He also would have said that um, the only difference with this season is the fact that we have a true quarterback and not a uh, not a, a running back playing quarterback. But yeah, so um, I think that at this point, Tommy Stevens is a person that I feel as though that I owe an apology to because he looks like a true quarterback. Matter of fact, at this point, I would go so far as to say that I'm more trying to figure out what the heck was Penn State doing not making him the starter 
Uh, like, because from what I see, it looks like he, you know, I mean, he's a darn good quarterback. Glad to have him on the team. Matter of fact, I think that I can 100% say that he was the right guy for the job. So, I mean, Gabe, what you think about that? How you feeling about Tommy Stevens so far? I, I think that I like what I've seen out of him so far. Got to get in the SEC play. This, this is my take on it. I think that he's played well for the competition that we played. Now, what I'm hoping this translates into, the first two games of the year, we played some, you know, lesser quality teams. I'm hoping that this week we've got, you know, we got a better team in, in uh, Kansas State. I'm hoping what he's doing is getting his sea legs up under him to the point where he'll actually be comfortable playing the high-level competition that we've got coming up. Um, SEC games are going to be much faster. He's going to have to make his reads. He's going to have to make his throws against much better defenses. So from what I've seen, so far so good. So far so good. I'm not going to say he was better than Trace McSorley because I was actually a Trace McSorley fan. But I, I, I like what I've seen. I like what I've seen. I'm just hoping that when it comes time to play, you know, these LSUs and A&Ms and, and Alabamas, that he's sort of got his sea legs under him. He's started enough games, and he's gotten comfortable in the, in, you know, with the game speed so that it won't, it won't affect him in that aspect. But, but uh, so far, so good. So he, 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 he's got a great arm, throws a tight spiral. Seems to hit his receivers in stride. Makes good calls. He's got a grasp for the offense. That's that's what you want to see. So, you know, so far so good. Okay, uh, Jeremiah. Same thing. Do we owe Tommy Stevens an apology? Good Lord, yes. Uh, and <laughs> I don't know. And it's kind of tough. And I think we probably owe him. with the receivers is more. We was criticizing more just with legit football stuff. This thing with Thomas Stevens, it was so unfair. Like, and it turned into down racial lines. Like, we're owing, like. Oh, as man, as, there you go. Go ahead. I, I'm just saying. I mean, it's fair to say, you know, me and Eugene discussed it after the first game. You know, he was saying they got to let that KC stuff go. Exactly. Like, it made no but sense. But that wasn't racial, though. It didn't have to be yes, racial. It was. A lot of people it did. It was, though. I think a lot of black fans were making excuses like it was. So, we're going to have a real discussion on Black Dogs Matter. It was down racial lines. The problem with Thomas Stevens wasn't that he was uh, coming in to take Casey's fight because he was white. Like, just call it a spade a spade. When nobody tripping when we were talking about bringing in that Kelly Bryant. That, that was, was a discussion fine. at one point. Nobody said anything. So we're having a real discussion. We got to be like, can't nobody get mad because the guilty heart speaks. That's something I always tell my students, the guilty heart speaks. So a lot of fans are upset, and a lot of people don't want to admit that they were wrong. And they don't want to admit they were wrong because it had nothing to do with quarterback play or anything like that. If anybody looked at this from a pure football standpoint, it just made sense to bring in a Thomas Stevens. KT hadn't proven anything. As I kept stating multiple times. Now everybody's like, oh, man, well, you know, KT, I feel bad for him. But, hey, man, we got a quarterback now. But I'm like, y'all was dogging this man. Y'all basically calling him trash. I don't even know if he's any good. Oh, he couldn't beat out this guy at Penn State. And now we're looking like, shoot, he probably should have beat out Tracy. So when I look at him, I know how to judge quarterbacks. I'm pretty good at looking. I, that's a quarterback. I kind of wonder how is he, how is he didn't, didn't start at Penn State. I'm glad, like as uh, Archer stated, I'm glad he is at Mississippi State. But the black, I'm not saying 
fans owe him an apology. The black fans owe him an apology. I don't care that we're black dogs matter. I'm going to call it exactly for what it is. A lot of the black fans, especially the ones right now, they're talking they're not going to watch a game because of KT, not the starter. You need to check yourself. Like, cause like that's you wrong. Like you, you, you're wrong. Like, so yes, like I'm glad uh, Arthur did bring this up as a topic because it needs to be stated. Like people are wrong. Like, yes, we still have games to play. He still has to prove himself even more. But based off what I've seen so far, there is no way. Joe Moorhead would have been a fool to not play Thomas Stevens over KT and start him. There's a reason he named him the starter before the season. He's a clearly better quarterback and he's better for what the offense needs right now to push it and take it to that next level. So I think it is a much deeper topic in the type of topic that we do need. I don't care if Arthur makes pusses in the description or Jay Short says that the black fans owe Thomas Stevens an apology. <laughs> I'll take the heat. I'll take the heat. And they can come email me. They can do whatever. The black fans, they get out. And, oh, and nobody called me like no Uncle Tom or nothing like that. So they'll have to listen to the episode. Y'all wrong. So we have to learn how to check ourselves when we're wrong. It's a reverse situation, you know, normally in – situations where, you know, the white fans are dogging the black quarterback and saying he can't throw the ball or saying all these different type of things, we wrong because it made no freaking sense that, that we were dogging Thomas Stevens. We didn't know what that dude was about. It's one thing we had seen him at Penn State and he was the backup. He got beat out and he was trash or something like that. We really didn't know, but we were just going off the fact that he was some white guy taking the black dude job straight up and we were saying he was trash based off of no evidence. And so we was wrong because we had no basis for saying it. No, I ain't going to say we, um, the people that were saying it, we had no basis. So I say they're wrong. Y'all can disagree with me. Y'all can do whatever. I don't care. I'll take the smoke. Well, so Arthur, I, I, I was, the topic of this show should be uh, All Lives Matter. That's what Jeremiah just All said. dogs matter. But, all but quarterbacks man, matter. Nobody Somebody already got their podcast. Man, you know what? I, my own, I on Facebook and social media and everything. My only requirement of Tommy Stevens was that he produced when he got behind center. I knew he was going to start from the day he stepped on campus. I wanted KT to have his shot. He didn't get his shot. That's why I said my he only did. requirement no, he didn't. of Tommy no, he didn't, Stevens Jeremiah. is when you he get did. in the game, son, just produce. That's all. Now, if he get in there he don't produce, I'm bringing everything up. But he's producing, so I'm quiet. But that was my that was always my only requirement. Black, white, I could care less. We've had black and white quarterbacks for decades. I just wanted him to produce. If he's gonna get in there, clearly he was gonna get the job. Just produce. You know, he's producing, I got no issue. But it wasn't all racial like that, in my opinion. That's that's no yeah, I, I actually disagree with it, but okay. Well, I'm gonna oh. take the stage. Let me take the stage off. I have something to say. Um, like yes. to me. Well, I ain't got my say yet. You you ran oh, yeah. on like a round on sentence. So, you know, I, I have an opinion. <laughs> and I think we do uh, owe Tommy Stevens an apology. But here is my take. I didn't care that he was white or black. My take was people were calling him the second coming without any, without any real game footage of him playing quarterback consistently. There was none. Now, the only person who probably knew what he could do was Joe Moorhead. Um, but here's the thing. Joe Moorhead tried to bring Kevin Bryant before he tried to get Tommy Stevens. So I don't really think that Joe Moorhead had faith in KT to run his offense, period, anyway, whether we had Tommy Stevens or Kelly Bryant. 
I don't. I just. I think Strider would have beat him out eventually this year had Tommy Stevens won the starting job at Penn State. I mean, but if you look at why Tommy Stevens left Penn State, this Sean Clifford guy has thrown for 280 yards and two touchdowns the first game, ran for 57 yards, 279 yards and four touchdowns the second game, and ran for 51 yards. And they ain't played nobody. They played Idaho and Buffalo. But, hey, people say that about us. They say we haven't played anybody. So, Sean Clifford looks to be a pretty good quarterback himself. What I want to know is if Thomas Stevens never came, will KT have been the quarterback? I don't think so. I, I really don't. Um, but we do owe Thomas Stevens an apology uh, for people who um, had the issue with him being a white quarterback, possibly taking KT's spot. I didn't look at it like that. I could care if you're white, black, blue, or purple. It don't matter to me. As long as you can throw the ball accurately and score touchdowns for my Bulldogs, I could care less if you're – if you're pink, purple, or blue, or all colors of the rainbow, it don't matter to me. Um, now, to say that KT got a fair shot, I really don't think he did because last year with, with us struggling on offense, Joe Moorhead never put KT in the game to say, okay, I want to see what you can do in this situation. He never did. When he gave him game time, playing time, it was here or there. KT never got a chance to showcase improvement over time. And he looks like he may not get that chance. But I wish the young man well if he stays. If he leaves, I do want to have a successful season. And so, uh, yeah, I think we do owe Stevens an apology. All right. And uh, I just want to say that kind of going into what Jeremiah was talking about, I will say that on the Ladies' Night episode, that we did have uh, Miss Kathy Clark get on here and say that she did not watch the ULL game because KT wasn't starting and that he got messed over or whatnot. And if you are in the Black Dogs Matter group, you know that even in the middle of um, <clears throat> in the middle of Tommy Stevens going perfect before he went out the game, I think he missed like one pass after he got hurt. Uh, that the narrative changed from he sucked to he's made of glass like there's there's some type of vitriol going on there but what we do need to talk about is this Kansas State preview so what are you guys thinking about the Kansas State team going into um going into Saturday 11 o'clock matchup I'm gonna start off with uh actually I'm gonna start off with Derek on this what was the question what are you thinking going into this Kansas State game Man, look, I feel like we do have the better team. We're just a little inexperienced in a very key area where Kansas State is experienced in that key area in that matchup. Kansas State has five senior offensive linemen and a senior tight end. We have a senior defensive end and a junior defensive end, and then we have a senior defensive tackle who's in his first year starting, and then a red shirt freshman starting behind next to him. And behind him, we don't have a lot of proven players. We have a lot of talented players. So I'm hoping that Kansas State's presumed strength versus right now our definitely weakness, I'm hoping that the SEC aura can wake up and just take over our defensive line and that they can rise up and just attack that Kansas State offensive line with reckless abandon. 
this game will be won in the trenches on both sides of the ball. Our defensive line versus Kansas State's offensive line and our offensive line versus Kansas State's defensive line. Because Kansas State does have an all-Big 12 performer on their defense, Reggie Walker, but we shut him down last year. He's going to be looking for a a, a bounce-back game against Mississippi State. We need to definitely eye him because our – quarterback was hit too much against Southern Miss, and that's why he ended up leaving the game because he was hit on consecutive plays by the same guy. They didn't block him. So um, I think the battle of the trenches will determine who wins this game. Gabe, same thing. What are you thinking about this Kansas State game coming up on Saturday? Well, you know, I I can kind of agree. I can kind of agree. They they have a their, – their strongest suit, I think, is that offensive line. Last year – People were concerned that um, we, you know, our defense might have an issue with that line, but I knew we had the best defense in the country, so I, I could, I knew we were going to dominate them last year. This year, not so much, because that defensive line hasn't truly been tested like that. You got a lot of seniors on that team. Their quarterback is playing well so far. He's thrown no interceptions. Um, they blew their first two opponents out. They were lesser opponents. But we can say the same thing about ourselves. So neither team has any glaring issues that may be a deciding factor. Um, I, I'm looking forward to this game. I think this will be a real good test to see where we are right now in terms of our defensive line, offense, quarterback play, the whole nine. I think we'll win the game. We got them at home. Their coach, he says he hates those cowbells too bad, so sad. Um, he's gonna get Cowbell to death on Saturday. Um, so you know, I, I I expect us to win the game by at least you know touchdown, ten points or so. But I'm looking forward to to just and maybe hopefully answering a few questions like what that defensive line can actually do against good competition. Um, you know, can we run the ball against them? Can we throw it against them? Answer some more questions. But I think we'll win though. I I, I don't think we should have too tough a time winning the football game. So, Jeremiah, same thing to you. What are you thinking about this this uh, Kansas State matchup, this this rematch that we, we've been waiting a while for, especially since we know that Kylan Hill, like 90% of his highlight reel from last year is uh, Kansas State. <laughs> is, gonna be, is he going to be able to catch lightning in the ball again this year? I don't even look at it lightning in the ball. I think he'll be continuing what he's already doing. I think we know we got in a common heel. I think with this game, though, it probably tells a lot about our season and what's probably going to happen. I think, and I hate to use, like, I mean, you, we talk a lot, and you always talk about either A, this is going to happen, B. So I think with this game, either three things are going to happen. And I hate to say, it's a game I can't really even truly predict. But I think it does seem like they're a pretty good team, even though it's the Big 12, or not the Big 12, Big whatever now. Uh, but, and they hadn't played anybody, but, you know, they are a top 10 in offense and defense. So they're doing something right. So they're not a trash team. Now, we could, you know, prove them to be that. But at the same time, I don't think it's the type of game we can walk in and be like, hey, we got this. Like, we don't know that for sure. I think that'll be a little presumptuous. So I think either, A, the game will pull away late, like a SC team should. Um, B, we're going to mess up and let them hang around, and we're going to lose in the end. We let them hang around. And we kind of get to the fourth quarter, and it's kind of like sketchy. I think they'll win the game. So I'm just telling you they will. Or C, 
we will smash them, and then we will know that, okay, we got a team that might actually do something this season. Even though it's a Big 12 team and they didn't have a great year last year, I think if we blow them out and we have that type of game and say Tommy Stevens goes out there and balls out Colin Hill, and and I think what we really need to happen, honestly, is for that young D-line to step up. If they grow up a little bit in this game, I think this could be the game that kind of catapults us. Even though it's not an SEC game, and we still had not got the Auburn and Texas A&M, LSU, and those games, I think if we blow them out, it'll give us confidence going into those next three to four games. I think it can carry us to a very, very, very strong season. Okay, I'm kind of thinking the same thing also. Our first, you know, big-time opponent. So I'm I'm excited to see what happens. And it's an 11 o'clock game, so that means that I don't have to sit around and wait all day on the game. So uh, the last thing is something that I think that we're all going to be a little bit passionate about, which uh, I think that most of us saw the game with the Cowboys and the Giants, and even though it was just the Giants, uh, Dakota Prescott looked pretty freaking good. So we know that uh, Ezekiel Elliott, um, who looks like one of those things from off of – Star Wars, not not the Wookiee, the little small things. I forget what they call. But, uh, yeah, he got his contract. I think somebody on the defense got their contract. So the question is, after the performance that Dak put up um, on Sunday, is it time for a brother to get paid? Now, I'm going to start this one off. I'm going to start this one off with Jeremiah, actually. One second. All right. Yes, I think, and I'm sorry about that. Um, I, I think it's definitely time for him to get paid. And even before the season, I thought maybe Dak should just bet on himself like Joe Flacco did a few years ago. Like people hating on him, saying he can't throw the football. And I just kind of, it always feels baffles me that people say this. They're like, I've been watching him, of course, since his redshirt freshman year and saw his rate of development as a quarterback and how he's developed over the years. Even his last year, Mississippi State, he threw the ball a lot more than he ran it. Um, he wasn't a dual dual threat. Like although he started to run it more later in the season, you know, like, I think the offense just wasn't moving the same way with him just throwing the ball. Um, it just wasn't as explosive. But even early on in Dallas, and I think the thing people keep dismissing, I think like he's putting up these numbers, but uh Skip Bayes even said, and I think part of the reason people hate on him is because Skip Skip Bayless rides for him. I think that's why people hate on him. I honestly believe that's part of the reason why. And you look at him since Amari Cooper has come, he's been a top five quarterback. But people keep saying, oh, it's because of Zeke. It's because of this. I'm like, he's not the only quarterback in the league with a great running back. Nobody was saying that about Russell Wilson when he had Marshawn Lynch. Nobody said about these other guys, the guy, you great players behind them. But when he got great players, uh, uh, Jared Goff has Todd Gurley, one of the best guys. But nobody ever says that about him. So, but, you know, when he has one great receiver, uh, a fault to a tight end. Sorry for you over there. And, of course, he has Ezekiel Elliott. But people are saying that he and Jason Garrett is his coach, who's no, not an offensive guru at all. But you're, like, saying that he can't throw the football, but all he's done is throw the football well when he get a good receiver to throw to. I mean, he didn't look as good the first two years or that first year because he had uh, Dez Bryant. But as soon as he get or the first two years, then you get Amari Cooper, and all of a sudden he turns to the top five quarterback because he got somebody to throw the football. But just for context's sake, if you look at Tom Brady's numbers, the first part of his career, they weren't that great. Then as soon as he got Randy Moss, all of a sudden he turned into a superstar quarterback. But people were calling him one of the best quarterbacks in the league before all of that happened. But, you know, with Dak, all of a sudden he can't throw the football because he was a guy that comes from that, that spread option offense. And I don't know if it's still like that thing in football where people kind of hate on him. So if you come from a spread option, it obviously means you can't throw the football. It can't be the fact that maybe you can run, too. It's just you got skills. 
you know, but he, all he's shown is an ability to throw the football. He doesn't turn it over a lot. He leads the team, but people still want to hate on his ability to throw the football, even though he's never shown anything but the ability to throw the football. But I thought, yes, I think they need to pay him. And I think, you know, he's emerging past a Jared Goff who just got paid. So uh, Dallas better pay him quick or they're going to end up owing him 40 million. And so uh, an Ewok is that thing that I was saying that Ezekiel Elliott looks like from Star Wars. So, <laughs> Gabe, I know that you're passionate about this uh, topic. What do you think? Is it time for a brother to get paid? Well, you know, it's funny because the last thing Jeremiah just said is what I've been saying. If Jerry Jones don't hurry up and pay the man, that price is going to go up. Because I've been, I've been arguing on social media and wherever else with people that the man deserves over 30. I think that's a no-brainer. But if he keeps playing like this without a new contract, that price is going to creep up 32, 33, 34. What people don't understand is, because see, they freaked out when Dax people said, we want forty million. They don't expect to get forty million. That's a bargaining tool. You ask for for more than what you want, and then you negotiate and land somewhere in the middle. That's how this works. Now, um, I think personally, he'll end up in the range of about thirty-two, thirty-three million. Now, does he deserve it? Absolutely. But what just kicked me off is the people that keep trying to say he doesn't deserve it. The numbers bear it out. His play, the eye test, everything bears it out. To say he doesn't deserve the money is just ridiculous. That just kind of, that kind of ticks me off, to be honest, because the man deserves the money. And um, what was it, Jared Goff? He got his, he got paid a week or so ago. That just reinforced what is about to happen, which is Dak is going to get paid. But what is kind of funny to me that they didn't, you know, they didn't settle the contract going into the first game. In the first game, Dak passed the 400 yards and like what, three or four touchdowns. So I think that's going to bring Jerry Jones to the table before that price starts to creep up on him. It's, it's no longer a matter of does he get his 30. It's, it's a matter of how much over that he's going to get if he doesn't go ahead and just get the guy's contract settled. Pay the man. Pay the man. All right. Uh, Derek, same thing. Is it time for that to get paid, paid? Yes, it is. Before I address that, I need to correct Jeremiah again. And I can't believe I'm correcting you because of this. But Tom Brady has always been a good quarterback. Before Random Mouse, during Random Mouse, and after Random Mouse. You cannot dumb down Tom Brady's career for the few years that he had Random Mouse as a wide receiver. You better go check that man's stats. Outside of his rookie year, that man has not completed under 6% of his passes ever. You know, his rookie year, he was one for three for thir- for, uh, for 33% for six yards. That's all he had his rookie year. Then he took over for the injured Drew Brees, and the rest is history. So I will not let you be incorrect in trying to say that Tom Brady did not become an elite quarterback until he got random mouse. Now, he got his first – dominant wide receiver when Random Mouse came. But the man had Super Bowl reign before Random Mouse got there. You know, so as far as Dak Prescott goes, yes, Jerry oh, Jones need to hurry numbers. up. I'm looking for numbers. Let me wait one second. Let me... I already got them in front of me, bro. Don't you don't, – don't go ahead and try to check yourself. I got them in front of me right now. 
Let's see. All right. So it isn't. Let I'm me not finish talking about Dak. Let me finish talking about Dak. All right. Before you go up. trying to talk about Brady, you know, because you made an erroneous statement saying that he didn't become an all pro, a good quarterback until he got random. Oh, I never said he wasn't a good quarterback. I'm saying that his numbers weren't that great. Yes, they before were. Before random mouse came. Yes, they were. Oh, okay. Let's, 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 so let's, let's see what is great. And we can compare that with Dak has. First season, 18 and 12. Second season, 28 and 14. 23 and 12. 28 and 14. 26 and 14. 24 and 12. Those aren't exactly numbers. And he only had one 4,000-yard season. Those are not superstar numbers. Like, so those are numbers. barely – those are game There's manager numbers. winning numbers. That's what they are. But they you are – You're not going to call Tom Brady a game manager. The comparison I'm making is compared to what Dak has been doing. So how could you sit up there and say that Dak don't deserve the money and is not an elite quarterback? I haven't said Brady Dak didn't deserve the money. I said I want to let you dumb down Tom balls, Brady's balls, career. Balls, That's balls, what I said. Balls, balls, balls. I wasn't talking about you. I'm saying the comparison I was making, how a lot of people are saying – that Dak isn't an elite quarterback. But if you look at his numbers compared to what Tom Brady was doing early in his career, uh, they the really NFL aren't that far off. different back then, bro. I mean, I, I, I kind of wish you would st- people would start trying to compare what someone did. The NFL, that's a different dynamic. You have different team dynamics of what you're doing back then. Yeah, that, that Prescott's first couple years stat-wise are better than Tom Brady. But guess what Tom Brady did that first year that he was the starter? What did he do? What did he do, Jeremiah? What did Man, he do? Game of the Puck roll. What, what did he do? Tuck rule is what he did. <laughs> but let me get I know back they did to Dak Prescott. I know they did Bye a lot game. of that. <laughs> Dak Prescott did the, did the win in any of those games, like 30 to 10 or anything? It was all a bunch of games where the kicker had to win it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Dak Prescott definitely deserves to get paid. Um Jacoby Brissett got paid. That Prescott has definitely outperformed him. Now I know why the coach did that because Andrew looked up and retired, and they want to reward Jacoby Brissett because he's not going to be their starter. Their starter. Their starter. Their starter. Whoa, whoop de doo. That Prescott has outperformed Wentz. He's outperformed uh, Goff uh, as far as only thing Goff has on that is a Super Bowl appearance, which he lost. Um, but that Prescott has been one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the NFL. I think a lot of the reason why they're they're they're, they're treating him this way is this Mississippi State hate, man. Oh, no quarterback from Mississippi State deserves $30 million. They didn't hop over this when Eli got his money. You know what I'm saying? Man, you you look at what the person does on the football field. All that Prescott has done was win. Yes, he has Ezekiel Elliott, the Ewok. That's not his fault. He can't he can't help who Jerry Jones has as a running back. But when Zeke when Zeke is not there, I mean he hasn't had the dominant wide receiver talent. Get him the wide receiver talent, he can be efficient. That Prescott deserves his money. Pay the man. He is your starting quarterback. He has been he has outplayed his contract. Um, he has led you to wins that you probably didn't think you could get for a quarterback drafted in the fourth round, taking over for your quote-unquote secondary GOAT in Tony Romo behind Troy Aikman. Dak has exceeded expectations from the get-go. Jerry Jones, 
Pay the man. So uh, I guess that brings us to the end of, uh, I think this is the third episode of season two. Yeah. Yeah. Of the Black Dog Sports Podcast. I'm going to end this episode like I end all episodes by uh, letting the guys give their parting thoughts. Now, I'm going to go ahead and be messy because if you all remember, there was an infamous episode where uh, Derek said that a certain player was going to be moving the offense and Jeremiah (laughs) questioned him on his sources. And I think that Derek may or may not have been vindicated. So I'm going to let him go first. James Jackson's going to be playing double duty. He's going to be playing offensive line, center, and defensive tackle. Now, while the source that reported this is not the source, to my knowledge, that I saw this originally, still I had a good idea that this was going to happen regardless of any injury issues. The young man is a valuable asset to have on the offense and defensive line, especially when you don't have a lot of proven depth at the center position and you have more bodies to utilize in the defensive tackle rotation. Go there. (laughs) All right. Um, So I I shot that BB gun. (laughs) All right. So (laughs) we're going to move on over to Mr. Gabriel Ware. What's your pardon shot? Well, you know what? I just hope that people have been enjoying the podcast so far. Um, and, and, um, enjoying what they've been hearing, enjoying what we've been been saying. I'd love to get more feedback um, in terms of what people think. Other than that, uh, let's look forward to destroying Kansas State this weekend. And as always, hail State. All right. Jeremiah, pardon shot for the week. Well, I'm going to be messy toward the end. I would just say a source told me that Derek's source was never real. And just to all the fans out there might have anything to say about what I had to say on this show or the reaction of, I want the smoke, so whatever. All right. He's playing offense again. (laughs) Very interesting. Très interesting. So, uh, where my cowbell at? I don't even know what cowbell is. Ring, 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 ring. All right, so that brings us to the end of our episode and let's see what am i gonna say this week i want to send a shout out to the greenville high hornets we beat the uh Ruleville central tiggers last week i can't remember who we play this week it doesn't even matter but i want to wish them good luck and i also want to wish uh good luck to the murrah mustangs as they go to take on the holmes county central <laughs> something i don't i don't even know what holmes county central is so um, I'm going to do like I do every week, and I'm going to say praise the Lord and go dogs, and also go to hell, old Miss. K-bye. Okay,